0: Netflix survived Q2 2021 with only a small loss of subscribers in the US and Canada. But if investors were hoping for a cheaper ad-supported tier to boost revenues, they were out of luck. Even the company's new game service will be ad-free. Listen on to hear more.
1: this week's edition of Inside the Stream. This is Will Richman from Video News and that was Colin Dixon at the beginning from End Screen Media. Hey Colin, how's everything?
0: Uh, great Will and uh, I'm getting a li- I guess a little bit psyched up for the Olympics. What about you? I'm I'm pretty psyched
1: up. I don't know. I, I have the entire Olympics every moment teed up to be recorded in YouTube TV. So if all that happens flawlessly, then I'll have enough Olympics to watch for the rest of my life. Um, but my guess is I'll probably only watch a small slice of it. How about you? What are you planning to watch?
0: Well, I'm definitely going to be watching the Rugby Sevens, which were a blast in the last Olympics. I absolutely loved them. Although I've got to say, I think it's going to be a bit more difficult to watch than it was before. Last time we could watch pretty much every sport live through the nbc sports app but they're not doing that quite this way and in fact uh, this year rather and that's uh, gonna be as our listeners will know we do a couple of stories that caught our eye this week and so i'm gonna kick off our discussion with the deal that nbcu did with roku and in fact they've done a very similar deal i think with fire tv and basically they have a special Olympics experience on Roku devices. If you have one, you can just go to the main menu and click on the Olympics. Um, and in fact, if you've got it enabled, they have a nice background with a with a, an athlete. And I gotta tell you, it's pretty nice, Will. They've got uh, a number of uh, ribbons of content. One's labeled where to watch, which basically Uh, A lot of the stuff, you are going to need to have some sort of live TV subscription, whether that be to a virtual MVPD or whatever. Then they have uh, Watch by Sport. So they have a bunch of uh, all of the sports broken out. So it's very easy to click on that and find where they're playing. But once again, you're going to need the live TV subscription to do that. They have another row, Tokyo 24-7 which is really linking into Peacock Free, and finally, Athletic Profiles. So, looks like a pretty nice experience, uh, similar on Fire TV.
1: Yeah, I, I think they've probably covered all the bases this year, and yeah. certainly anybody, anybody who wants to watch the Olympics has no excuse to not be able to find them or watch them wherever, right?
0: Yep, none at all.
1: So what caught my eye this week, Colin, we're going to talk about the Netflix numbers here as our main story today. But uh, what also caught my eye this week was the Wall Street Journal report earlier in the week that Comcast's CEO Brian Roberts and Viacom CBS's chairman Sherry Redstone along with Viacom CBS's CEO Bob Backish all met earlier in June to apparently talk about how they can get something done together. It's not clear exactly what that would be, but the journal report said that they were discussing possible partnership options for international markets. Of course, Viacom CBS has already said that they're gonna be taking Paramount Plus International. Uh, by 2022, Comcast has expressed a desire to take Peacock International, but we haven't heard a lot of details around that. So um, I don't know, we'll see what comes out of that. I have to say two things on my mind in reaction to the story. Number one is, it seems unusual to me that all these CEOs were getting together to talk about this type of a partnership it would ordinarily be something i would think that would be hashed out at more of the kind of EVP level of the companies and then only the CEOs would get together only after the after the outlines of the deal were in place because it's a given that a meeting like this is going to ultimately find its way into the wall street journal or the new york times or the information or who knows what. So I found that sort of weird. The other thing I found weird was uh, it just reminded me yet again how Comcast, sadly, is coming just so late to the streaming party. And three plus years ago, I was writing how they should have acquired that piece of Hulu that they didn't own instead of Disney acquiring it, but they let it go. And admittedly, they have some kind of a deal. Uh, they have a deal to get value realized in a few years from Hulu, but I think strategically it would have made so much more sense for them to have just acquired. It would have been a small acquisition for them and positioned them beautifully in streaming. But hey, you can't uh, drive by looking in the rearview mirror, as they say, right?
0: <laughs> no, you can't. I got a feeling that both NBC and Biocom CBS are, are feeling like they're getting left behind by these behemoths that are being created in the market now. Yeah of course there's discussions between discovery and um, and warner media bringing those two together in a in a JV and disney of course acquired fox and is now an absolute monster and they're all still having trouble competing with netflix and uh, that of course brings us to the main topic of our discussion today netflix Uh, announced their Q2 results this week, and you're you're going to recap the numbers for us, Will, and then we'll get into some of the things that they said in the earnings call afterwards, which was pretty darn interesting. So anyway, the numbers.
1: Yeah, well, right. Speaking of uh, behemoths, (laughs) Netflix remains the global behemoth in SVOD, and as I wrote in my review of the earnings report, I think it was a collective hue moment for all Netflix investors, because if things had really gone off the cliff from a subscriber standpoint in the US and Canada region in Q2, it would have been a major uh, problem for the stock. But fortunately, uh, it was a down quarter to be sure, but it wasn't anything close to a disaster or nearly as bad as it could have been. So I took that as a real positive for Netflix. So. I'm going to share a few numbers here and hopefully not overshare and get our listeners' heads spinning too fast around because I don't want to lose anybody. But, um, you know, the top line here is that obviously COVID was a game changer for the entire streaming and CTV industries. And Netflix was one of the biggest beneficiaries of that. So in the first half of 2020, the COVID half, actually it wasn't even a half because COVID only kicked in toward the end of Q1. But nonetheless, Netflix acquired about 26 million subscribers in the first half of 2020. In the first half of 2021, they acquired about five and a half million subscribers. Now, of course, the UCAN, the United States and Canada region of Netflix, is by far its most important because it has the highest ARPU and because investors tend to focus most on the U.S. So There, they lost, Netflix lost, 430,000 subscribers in Q2 21. Uh, That compares with Q2 of 20, again, the COVID quarter, where they gained 2.9 million. But that's really an outlier. So you can't really fairly compare Q221 to Q220. It's more appropriate to compare it to Q219. And in Q219, Netflix lost 130,000 subscribers in UCAN. So again, to recap, they lost 130,000 in Q219 in UCAN. They lost 430,000 in Q221. Now, Obviously, whenever your loss triples, it's not really something to click your heels about. But in this case, it's actually not, I don't think, the worst thing in the world, as I said before. Because, you know, look, they had tons, tons and tons of people who came on during COVID. And for sure, there's a portion of them that were just coming on to binge for a few months and then were going to leave. They were never going to stay. Um, and so churn was going to be elevated. Churn was going to be an issue in this quarter, no question. So that's why I say that they gave a forecast in their Q1 report that Q2 globally would be about a million subscriber additions. Now, of course, that was way down from you know, what they gained in Q2 uh, due to COVID. But um, they said that UCAN was going to be, quote, flattish, plus or minus a couple hundred thousand net subscriber ads. So they said plus or minus a couple hundred thousand. They ended up coming in minus 430,000. That's, again, not the worst thing in the world. And I think it actually speaks to how durable Netflix Netflix's service is. And uh, again, coming out of COVID, where a lot of people would be expected to drop, to only lose 430,000 is, is not too shabby. Now, having said that, the big question is what happens in Q3 and Q4. Now, Netflix has messaged that the back half of 21 is going to be strong because they have a bunch of new releases, both um, uh, you know, sequel seasons or follow-on seasons to hit series like Stranger Things and also some big movies coming out. So they're justifiably excited about the content slate for the second half of the year. But again, that has to be offset to some extent by what the COVID, the post-COVID churn number ends up being. So there's still some really interesting, powerful cross currents that are hitting Netflix that are going to hit them in Q3 and Q4. So it remains to be seen. But I would say, you know, kind of wrapping up my portion here, that I would say overall, um, the numbers were, were very respectable. The numbers were very respectable for Q2. And they lost, you know, they lost the 430,000 in the UCAN region. They gained about 2 million or so uh, in the three other regions. So they netted 1.5 up. They said they would net 1, you know, 1.0 up. So I, I think overall, I think that's that's something to be pretty proud of.
0: Yeah, as you say, very doable. Uh, they, are, they are really doing pretty well, particularly in light of the fact that We've seen reports about the difficulties that um, that Disney Plus has been ha- having in the U.S., um, that their growth here has slowed dramatically, although they continue to grow in the rest of the market. Um, they have not reported on Q3 yet. that That's upcoming, I think, next month in August. Um, so it's, uh, yes, sorry, I said Q3. Disney is not on calendar quarters. They're actually set right. by a quarter, so it's actually you two for everybody else the September quarter exactly exactly so the the thing I guess the thing I would like to focus on Will is I I sat in on the earnings call and it, it was a pretty interesting discussion and a couple of things really stuck out to me as being just just really amazing statements for a company that's that's as big as Netflix what are they they're closing in on 210 million global subscribers they have better than 50 percent penetration now in the US. So it's probably around 60 we don't know exactly because it's rolled in with Canada but it's probably something around 65 million homes in the US now have Netflix um, so so they're an amazingly dominate dominant company and normally what you'd expect to see in a media company or pretty much any company is a, a they begin to diversify a little bit they get into other businesses they look at other ways of exploring uh, their strengths to make money in new markets but that is not what Netflix is doing Um, in the call Netflix co-CEO Reed Hastings he said we are a one product company with a bunch of supporting elements that helped that product be an incredibly sati- uh, incredible satisfaction for consumers and a monetize- monetizing engine for investors. Uh, and that statement on its own, when I heard that, it's, it's like, it's really shocking. To hear a CEO of a major corporation like Netflix say, we're not doing anything else to to earn revenue but but subscriptions. I I just thought that was very surprising. I agree.
1: Let let me just jump in, if I may, before you go to the next point, because I know there's yet another point here as well. Um, I I completely agree with you. I I find that there is a lot to be said for focus in this world, but like when you're that laser focused, it's sort of like, really? Um, we're, it's, it's almost like they took some kind of an oath. We will not make money from anything <laughs> but SVOD. We will not make money from anything but SVOD. It's just kind of crazy. And the other thing is that they announced the hiring. Well, I shouldn't say they announced, they planted the story in Bloomberg that they were hiring this guy to run this new gaming adjacency who came from EA and Facebook. And so they had that story teed up beautifully to articulate in the earnings call about how they were creating a new revenue stream, as you just pointed out, in gaming. And then they completely popped that balloon in the earnings call by saying that gaming is going to be only in service of the SVOD service. No, uh, no intention to create a new revenue stream. And I know, Colin, you're kind of a gamer, so you have experience with all these kind of, I'm not a gamer, so I don't really, you know, all these wacky things that people buy in order to enhance their uh, competitiveness, but they took all that off the table, right?
0: They sure did. And I think um, there, was, there were several pieces written before the earnings call and before they discussed what they were planning on doing. And they were basically saying that, you know, all the game services were not, quote, not worried about Netflix and they apparently from what they said in the call will they have absolutely no reason to be worried about netflix because the game service is really only in support of these the core subscription service in fact what they said was was this um this i think this was uh, greg peters who's ceo and COO and chief product officer for for Netflix he said we're in the business of making these amazing worlds and great storylines and incredible characters we know the fans of these stories want to go deeper want to engage further and actually want to direct a little bit where their energy goes and they took off the table two of the core ways that games make additional money apart from the purchase and that is ads and in-game purchases and it is very very common in games for people to buy armor and to you know level up and use use um use credits inside the games to get extra benefits and you know enhance digs and all, all sorts of things that's off the table for this service the the one concession to the traditional model is that games will be Aimed at the mobile screen, which does make a lot of sense. The television will be playing second fiddle. Um, but if but, they're not
1: making money, but if they're not making money from that, whatever, you know, if it's part of some bigger mobile strategy, then sure, let's hear about that—that that they're going to make money from. But they didn't even say that. No, nope,
0: they shouldn't. Sure um, one of the things they did say was that they were going to start slow and learn, um, because they're quote a learning engine. And, you know, okay, that's fine. They've done that with other genres. They did that. They've sort of inched into reality and, and, and other genres uh, and learning as they go, which is fine. Uh, but, I, you know, I just, as I was saying at the beginning, normally a company of this size starts to diversi- diversify its revenue generating picture and goes into new businesses. Um, and this is not what they seem to be doing with the game service. The other right. thing they're doing, of course, is they launched a merchandise store. Uh, now, I, I never had great expectations for this merchandise store either. Um, but boy, Hastings was pretty darn clear about what this is. He says, um, there's a number of supporting elements, consumer products, various shopping, where you're really trying to grow those to support the title brands to get conversations up around the title so the Netflix service becomes must have, so the t-shirt sales are just to get people talking about Stranger Things and The and Witcher and, and all of the other shows so there's another <laughs> it's another potential business which I, you know, I don't suppose they'll run it at a loss, will but they're not, they certainly don't seem to have great expectations of this business making a lot of money well, I,
1: I mean, I'm not sure I totally agree with you on that, Colin. I, I think these fandom merch things have proven themselves to be pretty darn robust and also pretty darn high margin. So I think Netflix is definitely onto to something by going into the merch business. They certainly have enough franchises that have huge fan bases who are ready, willing, and eager to scoop up whatever T-shirt, hat, socks... Thimbles, you name it with the appropriate logo on them. So I think they'll do okay with that column. But what remains a head scratcher for me is that they're willing to sell this kind of merch to their fans, but they draw the line at offering an ad supported tier. <laughs> we can sell, you know, trinkets, but we can't, God forbid, we can't have ads in our service because that would impair the experience. And, you We've talked about this, of course, many times on podcasts, and I continue to believe strongly that they need to have a lower priced ad supported tier, especially now as they're coming out of COVID and they have the churn issues to worry about. But, Colin, unless I missed it and I didn't listen to the earnings call, I only read the transcript as I tend to do for sort of time management reasons. I did not even see the question of ad supported services raised. It wasn't even something that they spent any time on. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, The the person that they had during the during the questions she did not raise it um, and frankly Will I probably wouldn't have asked that question if I were her either because it's been asked in the last two or three earnings calls and it's always the same answer and the answer is no um, One of the things though that I did get frustrated with in the last quarter there was the rumour that Netflix was considering licensing content to other outlets and this, this the analyst did not ask about, which I wish she had in the in that earnings call, because that could be a very interesting business. Look, the way libraries work is this. You produce a great show, you put it in your library, everybody who's going to watch it watches it, right? So that's really, you know, that show's sitting there, it's not getting much, much usage inside the service. You do not harm your business at all by licensing content like that outside of the service to other providers, whether that be SVOD or traditional TV or whatever. If you wanna look at a company that does this really, really well, that's CBS or CBS as it was. They do a lot of licensing of content and I think they really optimize the value of their content by doing just that. Um, I would have liked to have heard a question asked, particularly of Ted Sarandas, because he's Chief Content Officer, about the licensing model and why Netflix isn't moving more heavily into that, because they now have a really massive library of quality shows that they could be licensing out and monetizing, I think, better than just inside this subscription service. So there are other options for Netflix to develop additional revenue streams, robust revenue streams. Um, but boy, I, I just wish we could get more information. I wish they would t- talk more about something like that. I think it makes absolute but, sense for them. And there are probably other opportunities that, that you know, they, they, they could be thinking about, but just aren't.
1: Well, Colin, I'll engage you in that licensing discussion. If you'll give me a little bit more, you know, opportunity here on the ad side. I mean, come on, <laughs> I just raised it and you barely... You know, responded before pivoting to talk about licensing. Now, right? Well, I, I did that. Will you're for feeding s- in?
0: <laughs> I did that. Will for the same reason that the the person I wish I could remember the lady's name who was the analyst who was asking them questions. What's the point of asking that question when you always I'll get tell the same answer? The
1: I'll tell you what the point is, Colin. The point is that they have not yet really explained why they're so averse to it. They've basically just given a religious answer. We don't think that the experience, blah, blah, blah. Okay, that's fine. Okay, that's fine for the first time it's asked, maybe for the second time it's asked. But when you have a market that is as white hot as connected TV advertising is right now, and there is so much potential revenue that Netflix is proactively deciding to turn, its, uh, turn away from, I believe that investors are owed an answer that's more specific and more substantiated. Mm -hmm. And, you know, if an analyst really tried to pin management's feet to the fire and say, look, all you're doing is offering a choice. You're not impairing everybody's experience. You're only offering a choice to those who do not want to pay the full rate and are willing to pay instead with their attention. It's a time-worn model there has always been ad-supported media. There will always be ad-supported media. So what exactly is the issue with offering consumers choice? And I would, you know, personally, I would like to see, you know, the management team at Netflix really respond in detail to that. And maybe that's expecting too much, and maybe that's not how the analyst community works. They don't want to be seen as pinning the management team's feet to the fire too hard. but. I don't know. I just feel like it, it, it should be addressed in that level of detail at this point, not only in 2021, where the market has evolved to, but also, again, given they have a lot of uncertainty about post-COVID churn, and this would go a long way to potentially addressing that issue. Yeah, yeah. Get me off my high well, horse now.
0: Just, just, to, just to be clear, <laughs> there's a lot to what you say, Will. There is no question that there are advertisers that would pay a handsome premium to advertise advertise to Netflix subscribers, and they so in other words they would be able to com, uh, they would be able to command a very attractive CPM rate for those ads that they were to run. There were also models which show that they can do this in a very non-disruptive way. So you know, look at what HBO is. Doing in HBO Max with their lower price tier, right? Um, now we haven't, we don't know that that, that ad, the ads in that way at that level are causing are, are, are profitable, you know, recoup the the loss, the cut in in the fee yet, because um, they're apparently advertising at sub four minutes per hour, and they're also doing them as mainly doing them as pre rolls, um, but you know if netflix were to add pre-rolls a limited number of pre-rolls to their lowest price plan for example how many subscribers would they lose i'm not sure that they would lose a lot i don't know how many people are on that on that plan but yeah i look i'm i'm i think i'm in agreement with you and i think probably many of our listeners would agree that giving people that opportunity to spend less and watch a few ads in exchange, many would welcome. And I know I've looked at hub research and other research that shows that many Netflix subscribers would appreciate that. Um, And it also gives your customers somewhere to go when times get tough, right? When they have to tighten their purse, purse strings. They can stay with you as customers and pay less. Uh, so, you know, it, it totally makes sense for me that they would do something like this. Um, but as I say, what's the point in asking that question when time and again, the answer is no?
1: Well, I you know, again, my view is a publicly held, the management of a publicly held corporation is required to answer, you know, honest, well-meaning questions about their revenues and expenses. Maybe I'm naive about that, but I don't think that's asking too much. That's number one. Number two is I did get an interesting comment back from one of our listeners uh, pointing out data that he suggests there could be a cannibalization issue. In other words, they could start diminishing their number of paid subscribers if they offered an ads, lower price ad supported tier. I'm not entirely convinced on that, but even if that were the case, I think we know from Hulu, right, Colin, that their ad-supported, their lower-priced ad-supported tier actually generates higher ARPU than their subscription-only tier. So even if they did cannibalize, they'd actually be net positive. So that's the second. And the third and last point I'll say is that I got another call from another listener (laughs) of ours, former senior studio executive, who said, well, love your guy's podcast, but I find that you're just a little bit too soft on the industry and a little bit too too positive sometimes. So in the spirit of that <laughs> phone call that I had just a few hours ago, and our listener knows who he is, uh, here's me being just a little tougher on Netflix today than I may have been in the past.
0: <laughs> and, and, and I got to tell you, there are other executives outside of Hulu saying is I mean Viacom CBS has said the same thing when they offered right. their paramount tier right. and they offered right. the discount I think it was like half price they were very confident that they would make more than make up the difference in advertising revenue so what that tells you is there's strong appetite from advertisers there's strong appetite from consumers Hulu has reiterated time and again that most people come in at the advertising uh, advertising tier, not at the ad-free tier. And if that's really true, then boy, there's smart people there. They are not making a loss on this deal. They are doing better right. out of it. So uh, right. there's no question that there's money there that Netflix could be making. They gave the right discount um that they would end up making more revenue in the end that they're making today
1: well colin we are just about out of time and somebody is really going to have to remove the bit from my mouth because the t- <laughs> my teeth are really starting to hurt so any listener that wants to volunteer to yank this netflix ad supported bit out of my mouth once and for all i could use the help I okay okay so it i'm going to make
0: our listeners a play drill. <laughs> I will stop Will talking about getting on his ad-supported Netflix horse for at least a month.
1: Well, that's not a hard one, Colin, because I'm going to be away for two of the next four weeks. Oh, so. there you go.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> that's not that big a challenge. But anyway, I think we probably should wrap it at that. Don't you think?
0: Yeah, I think we're pretty much done. Great discussion. I really enjoyed it.
1: Likewise, as always, Colin. And thanks everybody for listening in on this week's edition of our Inside the Stream podcast. This is Will Richmond for Video News. And we will see you all again next week.
0: Inside the Stream is a production of end screen Media and Video News, all rights reserved.